Hello, and welcome to 10 Things We Have to Tell You. In this podcast, we will be going over different top 10 lists ranging from funny, scary, sad, heartwarming, and much more. Time to send it to the studio with Kendra and Brandon. Welcome back to 10 Things We Have to Tell You. This week, we are covering the top 10 weirdest roadside attractions. This list is a recommendation from our listener, Meg. We are so grateful for any suggestions, and if you have one, please reach out to us and let us know. We love hearing from our listeners, and we want to cover topics that interest you. So recently, I asked my brother if he had to make a top 10 list right now, what would it be? Any guess what you, th- what do you think his response was? Uh, probably didn't want to. His response was, I don't know, the top 10 reasons I don't want to make this list. So I think it's going super well. He feels very supportive of this. So coming in at number 10 this week is the Fremont Troll in the Fremont neighborhood of Seattle, Washington. Since the Aurora Bridge, or George Washington Memorial Bridge, was built in 1932, there have been tales of troll sightings, which happens with bridges usually. Typically, you know. So in 1990, the Fremont Art, Arts Council called for an art competition to create a piece for Under the Bridge in an attempt to deter unhoused people from camping there, marking the troll as a prime example of hostile architecture. Worst. What is it that, what does that achieve? What does hostile architecture achieve? I don't, it makes everybody uncomfortable. Literally everyone. So a team of four sculptors led by Steve Bedanes created the troll, easily winning the art competition. The troll was constructed later the year later that year as a mixed media statue made of rebar, wire, and concrete. He Why'd is... you say that so weird? <laughs> say what's so weird? Say concrete. Concrete. That's not what you said. You said con- like concrete. <laughs> concrete. <laughs> Anyways. So he is eighteen feet high, weighs in at thirteen thousand pounds. He appears to be crawling out, crawling out, I can't fucking talk today, from under the bridge and is clutching a real VW bug in his hand. He's also creepy as shit. Yeah, he really is. He looks like an emo troll with hair coming down (laughs) over his eye. Right. So the bug used to have a time capsule in it, had a uh, bust of Elvis, but it was stolen in an act of vandalism. The troll is a pretty beloved character in Seattle. He has part of a street named after him, if you had to take a guess, Troll Avenue, and the Seattle Kraken introduced a new mascot named Bowie, said to be the Fremont Troll's cousin. Twice removed, probably. He's even been referred to in a couple of different TV shows. They had all of the opportunity to come up with a new mascot, and they picked a troll. Their name is the Seattle Kraken. Right, they could have like a badass like mascot or something. It would have been a Kraken, although, you know, do you remember the Blue Jackets, um, oh fuck, what was his name? Oh, Andy and Danny would be so disappointed in me. I have to look it up. They had this mascot that was, he was a bit phallic. Hmm. He was a bit phallic. He, uh, he looked like a cannon. Boomer. Boomer. His name was Boomer. And this thing looked like a dick. <laughs> He looked like a penis and like he would like jump and shoot. Yeah, it. Mm. 
Yeah, jump and shoot. Mm-hmm. He, it was, <laughs> it was a penis. I can't believe it made it past all those rounds. We're just going to forget about Boomer. Never forget Boomer. Boomer is like the Pluto of Columbus Blue Jackets mascots. He was beloved. And nobody knows why. <laughs> okay. Number nine is a place I can respect, but I have zero desire to visit. The Corn Palace in Mitchell, South Dakota. I mean, let's be clear. I don't want to go to South Dakota ever. So it's nothing personal to the Corn Palace or the town of Mitchell. I just don't want to go to South Dakota. In 1892, Mitchell was a fairly new town at just 12 years old. It had a population of about 3,000 people. A corn palace was built on Main Street to celebrate the end of a successful harvest season with a big festival for all of the townsfolk, a tradition that still is happening today. In 1905, the very successful corn palace needed a bigger building, and so one was built. It wouldn't last long, though, because thanks to the overwhelming number of visitors, an even bigger building was built in 1919 and finished in 1921. I can hear myself breathing. It's awful. This is the same building that still houses the Corn Palace today. <laughs> For those wondering why there's a long pause, it's because I looked over and Brandon had his shirt pulled up and was tweaking his own nipples. <laughs> the Corn Palace was considered to have the finest basketball arena in the upper Midwest when Mitchell hosted its first state basketball tournament in 1921. Starting in the 1930s, steps were taken to recapture some of the finer details of decorations and architecture in hopes of restoring some of the original appearance of the Corn Palace. Nowadays, the Corn Palace is used as a multi-purpose location for much of the happenings around the state. They have industrial exhibits, dances, stage shows, meetings, banquets, you name it. They even hold graduation ceremonies for Mitchell High School and Dakota Wesleyan University. But what they are most known for, besides being a tourist attraction, of course, is hosting district, district regional, and state basketball tournaments. USA Today even named the Corn Palace one of the top ten places for high school basketball in America, which I was unaware that that was a thing. Yay, sports ball. Shut the fuck up. We love sports. Really Do you know just, who says yay, sports ball? Just football, though, really. I like other sports. Stop lumping me in together with you. We with... like sports. We don't care who knows. Each year, the palace is redecorated in a different theme, with murals designed by Dakota... Dakota? Dakota. Shut up. Designed by Dakota Wesleyan University students to reflect that year's theme. They use up to 12 different shades of naturally colored corn, grains, and native Native? What is wrong with me? Native grasses. Ears of corn are painstakingly nailed to the palace ear by ear to create a beautiful design. The first corn palace was built as a way to show the world that South Dakota had a healthy agricultural climate and I think the success of the palace demonstrates the truth of that statement. After learning more about this roadside attraction, I take back my earlier sassy comment and now say that the Corn Palace sounds like a super cool art exhibit. Do I want to go? 
still no. But I think the history behind it and all that they do is very interesting. We're never going to go to South Dakota or North Dakota. Get <laughs> fucked. <laughs> I have no room to talk. No, you don't. <laughs> anyway, we're going to move on here to number eight. So this is pretty close to home for us, and it's somewhere that I've actually been. The giant Lagerberger Basket Building in Newark, Ohio, or sorry, some people would call it's, it... That's the wrong pronunciation. Okay, please enlighten people how it's said. Nurk. It's Newark. It's Nurk. You're wrong. <laughs> uh, so in You cannot tell me that you have lived in Ohio for most of your life and you do not pronounce it Nurk. It's Nurk. Everybody knows it's Nurk. <laughs> I just can't do it. It's Nurk. So in 1973, Dave Longaberger, the son and grandson of basket weavers, started a basket making company in Dresden, Ohio. Longaberger sold America, Americans on his high quality, well crafted baskets pretty easily. Just, I guess, not really surprising. I mean, they're cool little baskets. Some of them were kind of big. Are you telling me that you're a Longaberger basket fan? I mean, I didn't mind them. I mean, I didn't go out and, like buy one, but like, I didn't mind them. Well, you were like ten when they came out, like when they got really popular. So I played with them. <laughs> Which is probably their intended purpose, but you know, whatever. Uh, most definitely not. I won a longer burger basket one time in a bingo. I was like seven or eight, and my mom took me to bingo, which is an aggressively ginny thing to do. May she rest in peace, I guess. And I won a longer burger basket full of jams and jellies, and my mom was just over the moon. And so she struck a deal with me that I got to keep all of the snick snacks, the Jensen Snackles, if you will, in the basket. And I got to use every ounce of jam and jelly that I got. And she got to keep the basket. <laughs> she knew the way to my little foodie heart. Yeah, and they were real expensive, too. Yes. But anyway, he was selling Americans on his high-quality, well-crafted baskets pretty easily. And soon he was hosting home shows, in air quotes, uh, in people's living rooms. Each and every basket was handmade and signed by the maker. Fun fact, selling longer burger baskets wasn't MLM. Sales associates, air, air quotes, air quotes, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> air quotes. Kobe. <laughs> we get a percentage of commissions based on how many people they recruited. Ah, uh, the life of stay-at-home moms, really. That's really what it is. Stay-at-home moms, you want to be boss babes. and all that stuff, yeah. Boss babes. Hashtag <laughs> boss babe. Uh, the Longerberger Basket Company peaked in 2000 with sales reaching a whopping $1 billion. They sold a billion dollars in fucking baskets. That's a lot. That's a fucking shit ton. <laughs> In the 1990s, Dave reached out to NBBA and Corda Nemeth Engineering to help him design and construct a building shaped like one of his own baskets. By 97, the Longerberger building was complete, despite the many issues they faced along the way, including the fact that the upper floors were larger, larger than the smaller floors by about 5,000... Larger? 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 
then the smaller floors by about 5,000 square feet. The building had a full glass roof and the handles weighed in at 150 tons each. Quick question. Sorry to interrupt. Do we have an attic? Yeah. Have we always had an attic? Mm-hmm. How the fuck is anybody supposed to get up there? Mm-hmm. Not my problem. Are you, who, who would be able to fit through that? Crackhead? Comforting. <laughs> Did you lose your place? No, I'm good. So these handles are 150 tons each, which is also a fucking shit ton of weight. They're heated to prevent ice from falling onto the glass roof. Uh, so sadly, Dave passed away in 99, but his daughter Tammy took over the company as CEO shortly after. Unfortunately, Jesus for the longer Christ. running company, the recession in the early 2000s hit them very hard. Sales plummeted, and by 2013, the company had been taken over by CVSL Inc. In 2014, the company found itself unable to pay the property taxes on the building in Nurk. Newark. Nurk. <laughs> 2015 brought the resignation of Tammy Longenberger as CEO and director. The remaining employees moved out of the basket in 2016, and the company announced they planned to sell the building. Fast forward December 2017, the basket building was purchased for $1.2 million by a Canton, Ohio-based developer, which honestly was kind of a steal at $1.2. <laughs> you have no idea. Uh, sadly, the Longerberger company was unable to keep up with the changes and trends and went bankrupt in 2018. Shortly after ceasing operations, oh, sorry, in 2018, shortly after ceasing operations, uh, the building was put up for sale in November of 2018, but in 2019 it was announced it had not sold and would be turned into a luxury hotel and placed on the National Register of Historic Places. On October 20th, 2019, Heritage, Ohio, Ohio's official historic preservation preservation organization announced they would host tours of the building for the first time since 2016. It's quoted that people were in tears and hugging each other. <laughs> Let me repeat that. In tears and hugging each other because they were so happy to be back in the basket. <laughs> Which is weird as shit, but good for them, I guess. Uh, the Longerberger Basket Building was listed for sale once again in January of 21 for a massive $6.5 million. Which, why I said earlier, $1.2 million was a steal. Okay, listen, I tried to look up $1 billion and adjust it for inflation um, from January 2000 to December of 2022, and I can't because <laughs> it's too much money. Right, like some people don't realize how much a billion dollars it is. Like, if I were to start counting to a million right now, I could finish that in my lifetime. But if I start try to count to a billion, my daughter would still be counting to a billion. Like, it's that fucking much. Yeah. Okay, this one says any amount of money. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. It would be one point seven four billion seven five billion in 2022 that's where that is we're talking like it's like 75 million dollars more we're talking like jeff bezos levels of billionaire yeah just about in baskets mm-hmm what do you, 
It's storage. It's just storage for your house. I think the basket is super cool, and I'm glad that it is listed as a historical place. Because it's weird. It's fucking weird. <laughs> the guy built a basket to look like one of his baskets. And but it's, it's like a basket narcissist. But it's really cool. <laughs> like, I don't know. I wish they would turn it into a fancy hotel. But the problem is, is that the people that would go to this fancy hotel are all dying off. Like, I think it'd be better to have like a convention center or something. Yeah, well, we already have one of those. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, moving on up with the baskets. No, I like talking about the baskets. Well, it's getting late. I had to go my take my happy ass to bed. <laughs> it's seven fifty-five. Number seven. In the nineteen seventies, radio station owner Paul Hedberg, who may or may not be related to Mitch, no idea learned that Interstate 90 would be bypassing his town, Blue Earth, Minnesota. Do you know where I'm going with this one? Mm Mm-mm. No idea. Again, they can't hear you now. I said mm -mm. (laughs) mm-mm. This created an issue for Hedberg since he hosted a radio show titled Welcome, Travelers, during which he would interview travelers passing through the town and then give them a can of green giant vegetables. The green giant veggies were canned in a local factory, and guests often finished their interviews by asking, Hey, where's my green giant? Obviously, for welcome travelers to stay on air, Hedberg needed a way to attract visitors to Blue Earth. He approached the green giant executives about creating a life-size green giant statue and received approval, but he didn't get any money from the company like he hoped. So the entire project ended up being funded by local Blue Earth businesses, including Paul Hedberg. In 1978, Creative Displays designed and built the Jolly Green Giant statue, only running into one minor issue along the way. Green Giant's Green Giant had never been depicted from the back. Therefore, they had no idea how to build a butt for the Green Giant. So they had to create a rendition of his rear end on the fly. The giant arrived just in time for the celebration of the Golden Stripe, marking where the construction crews of I-90 East met the construction crews of I-90 West. Since the giant had no permanent home, he was hung from a cable on a crane. Disappointingly, this was the closest the green giant ever got to I-90, because no one that owned land leading up to the road was willing to donate it to the cause. Hedberg had to settle for a plot of land close to a mile away, meaning that very few people would be able to see it while driving down the highway at 70 miles an hour. Jolly Green Giant is 55 and a half feet tall, and if he wore real shoes, they would be a size 78. Do you know how fucking big that is? Yeah, that's like, massive. You wear, you wear, like, what? A 13? 13? Yeah. And if I tried to wear, I tried to wear your shoes one time to go outside, and I almost died stepping off our back porch. I was about to say, you almost died. (laughs) Because my, your shoe, like. Just fell off. Was still inside the house and somehow on the the porch. (laughs) I don't know. He even came with a staircase if the visitors were inclined to stand between his legs, which I'm going to pass on that. Welcome Travelers is no longer on the air. And Green Giant no longer owns the canning plant, but the Jolly Green Giant remains in place. 
it's still kind of cool though to like have it there just like it is really cool and it's cool that somebody gathered that paul gathered the town together to try and save like their tourism yeah i mean mean, it sucks that it didn't work but (laughs) yeah it's still a cool thing except it does work because now everybody goes to see the jolly green giant again i'm never going to this i don't want to go to minnesota right (laughs) it's cold enough here thank you it is uh we're gonna move on here number six uh, this one's a real treat. Uh, dog treat, that is. Woof. <laughs> woof, woof. Dog Bark Park Roadside Attraction in Cottonwood, Idaho. Did you it... notice that I gave you the hardest one to pronounce? Yes. Uh, it's... <laughs> Thank you for that. It's an You're art welcome. installation that also serves as a guest room and gift shop. It has the world's largest beagle. Oh, no. It is the world's largest beagle. Oh, it is the world's largest beagle. Okay. Uh, DBP... Nope. Say it right. Oh, come on. It's so hard. Dog Bark Park was created by husband and wife artists Dennis Sullivan and Francis Conklin. Dennis is a self-taught chainsaw artist, which I, for one, I think it's heavy metal as fuck. It is heavy metal as fuck, but I promise you, if you look up a picture of uh, Dennis, he is the opposite of heavy metal as fuck. Right, probably looks like my dad. No. No. Worse? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. He looks so nerdy. I'm sure he's a perfectly pleasant man. And I, I'm i sorry that I'm basing you on your, judging you based on your looks. Right. It's 2023. It's I stand by what I said. <laughs> uh, anyway, in 95, Dennis and Francis caught the big break when their carvings of dogs took off on QVC. Which is... The platform... For the next 18 months, the two did very little other than carve wooden dogs. They saved up all their monies and then invested it in Dog Bark Park, building Toby and Sweet Willie. Oh my god, it sounds like a prison nickname. I think it sounds like a porn name. I, I just, the name Willie just, I, I hate it. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. Are you going to apologize to any of our listeners who may be named Willie? Uh, I'm sorry. I just I can't. I just, <laughs> I, I just do not like the name. I, uh, uh. Any, <laughs> I think you have a dirty mind, my friend. No, it's just like the name in general. Like it just, it's like moist. You know. <laughs> like, see, that's what I'm saying. It's like that. Why would you do that? <laughs> oh, we just got noticed that my gag. The recording was too loud. So, okay, here we go. Uh, Toby's the smaller of the two beagles, coming in at 12 feet tall. Sweet Willie. Oh my god. However, is massive and holds a room that guests can stay in for the night. After resting inside, Sweet Willie. (laughs) Guests are encouraged to explore the surrounding area and visit the gift shop to get their own hand carved version of the dogs. Have no fear, though. Dennis and Francis are aware of how bizarre this may seem to others, calling it a noble and absurd undertaking. Well, self-awareness is the first step. Also, looking at this picture, it looks like you climb up a set of steps. The door just opened on its own? I see. I think I preferred it when I thought our house was haunted. Anyways, it looks like you climb up this set of stairs and go into the room through the dog's butt. 
through okay. Toby's butt. Nope. Isn't the small one Toby? Yeah, I'm talking about the big one. The big Sweet Willie is the big one and holds the room. Oh, I thought Toby was the big one. Okay, never mind. You just said is Toby this isn't Toby the small one? Yeah, I forgot. I I I can't. I, I, it's fine. Whatever. Are you having a stroke? <laughs> I'm having a stroke. Yeah. A stroke. Yeah. So look at the picture. Doesn't it look like you climb up the stairs and go in through Sweet Willie's butt? Mm-hmm. Can you please move on? Because I don't want to say that name anymore. <laughs> no. Now we're going to talk about it longer. <laughs> Oh. Anyhow, I kind of feel like we should go here. I won't make you call him Sweet Willie. I mean, I'll call him like Sweet Dub or something. No. I just want to stay inside. inside. And I'm going to tell Dennis and Francis that Sweet Willie makes you very uncomfortable. I can't wait. Road <laughs> trip. Anyways, moving on to number five. While looking for roadside attractions, I came across Carhenge along U.S. Highway 87 in Nebraska. I almost picked it because, honestly, it's pretty cool. It's a bunch of cars painted and standing up and sculpted designed to look like Stonehenge. And it's like that feels aggressively American. But then I scrolled just a little bit further on the map and came across the real roadside attraction. Just a few more miles going north on 87, and you'll come across the Nebraska rest area. Where the Wi-Fi is free and the toilet doesn't flush. That's it. That's all there is to it. Maybe 75 hay bales, a free Wi-Fi sign, a non-flushing toilet out in the open, and a recliner. Enjoy! Yeah, it looks quite depressing. I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. It's funny. It gets people's attention. Yeah, I mean, I guess it gets people's attention, but I don't know. It's just kind of one of those things like, why? Because it's funny. Why else would it? It's funny. Yeah, I guess it is. So this next one, I want to preface this roadside attraction by stating that the world does not deserve Jimmy Carter. And this is in no way an attack on him. That's right. Jimmy Carter is a sweet baby angel. <laughs> sweet baby angle. 45 degrees. Anyway, are you, are you proud of yourself for that joke? Yeah. In uh, 1976, Jimmy Carter ran for U.S. presidency to honor Carter's history in his home state of Georgia. The Indiana Democratic Party commissioned a 13-foot-tall statue of a peanut. Statues made of wooden hoops, chicken wire, aluminum foil, and polyurethane. The peanut statue has no face, but does boast a creepy fucking smile, and it's said to be based on President Carter's own smile. You can't, no. Mm -mm. Looks like something out of fucking Silent Hill, is what it looks like. I have never seen Silent Hill, so I don't know. All I know is that if that, if I'm driving down the road and I drive past this fucking peanut with that creepy ass smile, I'm going to crash my car (laughs) into the nearest tree. Into the peanut. No, into the tree. (laughs) I don't want to touch the peanut. It's creepy. That smile is offensive to Jimmy Carter. Right. Uh, so it was originally located at a train station in Plains, Georgia, but after being damaged in a car accident in 2000... Because of its creepy-ass fucking smile. Fair. The statue was moved a few miles away to an area along Georgia State Route 45 near the Baptist Church where Jimmy Carter teaches Sunday school. That feels appropriate. Yeah. I guess... Take, go on, kids, take a picture with the peanut. No. Like Mr. Jimmy Carter. No. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> I want I want the kid to learn about Jimmy Carter because I think he's a really wonderful person. 
Uh, we will not be discussing this creepy fucking peanut. <laughs> you heard your mother, kids. Go take a picture with the peanut. No. <laughs> this seems like a place my dad would take me, and I would just refuse. I would refuse to get out of the car. Okay, moving on to number three. I don't know if this qualifies as weird or just really depressing. In Waterbury, in Waterbury, Vermont, lies a magical, mystical place. Do you know what it's called? I mean, what else is matter of Vermont? Other than... Bernie Sanders. Well, I'm talking stuff that's actually, like, good. Maple syrup. <laughs> okay. What other I can go all night. What two things have come out of Vermont, really, that people actually know of? Maple syrup and Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's. Ben and Jerry's is the magical, mystical place I am talking about. They create the best ice cream in the world. By the way, uh, we are looking for sponsors, Ben and Jerry's, so... I love Cherry Garcia. I'll take a five-gallon bucket, please. Yes, and I, I am impartial to fish food, so... We love you. Please sponsor us. We love you so much. We eat Ben and Jerry's all the time. If you go visit Ben and Jerry's ice cream factory, you may come across a sad little graveyard on the property, honoring those lost but not forgotten flavors. The graveyard has granite headstones and witty little epitaphs for each of the flavors buried there. If you aren't able to visit in person, you can visit the virtual version of the graveyard on Ben and Jerry's website, and even vote to bring back a dearly departed flavor. I think I would visit and then just simply cry over all of the flavors I never got to try. I am a poet, and I know it. I didn't mean to rhyme. <laughs> I, I just, have visited the virtual virtual I, graveyard, though. Me too. But then I just got really sad the more I looked at it. Because I was... Really? Like some of the flavors probably came out before we were even born. Like you know, I don't care. I never got to try them, mostly because I got addicted to fish food, and that was it. So, for example, one of the one of the gravestones is peanuts, popcorn, peanuts, popcorn. Mix them in a pot. Plop them in your ice cream. Well, maybe not. And it reads the years 2000 to 2000. I'm pretty sure I wasn't allowed to eat ice cream in 2000. <laughs> Anyways, uh, one time, I guess last year maybe, or two years ago, I don't remember. It had to be last year. Uh, my dad and stepmom went to Vermont. And dad asked what I wanted him to bring, what I wanted him to bring me back. And I very specifically stated Ben and Jerry. What did I get? Nothing. I didn't even ask for Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I asked for my dad to kidnap Ben and Jerry. Right. That would be something. I was going to make them make me ice cream. <laughs> he was not as amused by this statement as I was. They can't make it with other equipment. I will buy them new equipment. I just want them to make me ice cream. Again, like we said, we do love you so much. <laughs> I don't think Ben and Jerry's is going to sponsor us. One can hope. Uh, we're going to move on here. Number two. So, who's your favorite cryptid? Mine, Mothman. 
We're even planning on going to the Mothman Festival this fall, located in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. The Mothman statue is a work of art created by Bob Roach in 2003, and is a stainless steel version of the beloved kinda creature himself. He was commissioned after the 2002 movie Mothman Prophecies brought more attention to the small town. When Bob was asked to create the statue, he said no, but it changed his mind by the next day and went around town interviewing people about their sightings of Mothman. If you've never seen the statue, we're going to take you on an adventure as we describe him. He's got this massive, he's got these massive fucking wings that tower over his head, like 13 feet tall. He's ripped as fuck. He's got that summer body <laughs> with clearly. <laughs> so he doesn't have a dad bod? <laughs> no. Oh, then I'm not interested. With clearly defined abs and a hairy chest. A weird beak like mouth with both upper and lower fangs. <laughs> a mullet. Hey. Red eyes that are mirrored inside so they reflect light. And. Not my personal favorite. It is my personal favorite. Yes. Uh, buns of steel. <laughs> Literally buns of steel. I can't wait to go. And we're supposed to meet two friends down there. And I want so badly for somebody to take a picture of us, like, loving up on Mothman's ass in this statue. <laughs> I can't wait. It's going to be great. He's got buns of fucking steel. <laughs> So, I think that might be what we're most excited about the festival this fall. Uh, that's okay. You don't have to lie. It's what I'm most excited about. That, true. Uh, never wanted to take a picture with something so badly. <laughs> you, you missed a sentence, sir. Yeah, because I'm not going to say that. Uh, the sentence says, the Mothman statue has quite the badonkadonk. Yeah, that's why I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Well, that's stupid. What's wrong with Badunkadunk? I just don't like it. Oh, do you feel that way about Willie? Oh my god, do not. <laughs> Is Willie moist? <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> Only I can torture you. That's how this relationship works. <laughs> the statues brought so many people to Point Pleasant that a Mothman Museum was opened in 2006, and the festival now sees close to 15,000 people each year. There's even a petition to replace the Confederate statues with replicas of the Mothman statue. Which I agree with. Yeah, that sounds go, fair. Go for it. Yeah. And valid. Those wings are fucking huge, though. They are. But also, look at Mothman's ass. Look at his badonkadonk. Oh my god. It's so big and round and juicy. Oh my god, he looks like one of those rapper's girlfriends. Oh my God. We're gonna get copyrighted or something. You got like a big old crack too. Well, no, that's just because his pants are so tight. I, mean, I imagine see. he's wearing pants because there's no there's no reproductive organ, which I think we can all thank our lucky stars for that. Right. <laughs> okay, moving on to number one. Number one is near and dear to the hearts of many Ohioans, and even more people that enjoy making fun of Ohio and Ohio's people. There isn't much going on in the drive between Columbus and Cincinnati. It's between 90 minutes and two hours straight down 71 South, and there is fuck all to look at. Trees, soybean fields or cornfields, 
And if you're lucky, you might be able to catch a glimpse of someone stuck behind a tractor on an access road. We've made this trip, I don't know how many times, and there's just nothing to look at. There's nothing to look at. This is when Brandon comes up with his brilliant ideas of how to rob a bank. Breaking up that monotonous drive from Columbus to Cincinnati is the hell is real sign. If you blink, you might miss it. It is a single hand-built sign posted in 2004 by some Kentucky developer, which tracks. It is painted black with a white outlined red H, followed by white letters spelling out what real Ohioans have always known. Hell is real. <laughs> I mean, this is Southern Ohio. Hell is definitely real. We are... <laughs> We all know that hell is real because we're already there. Did you just take a picture of me in my pajamas? No. Okay. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Many a person has stopped on the side of 71 to get a picture of the sign or simply taken one while driving because what is the point of driving safely if hell is real and we're not already in it? You can even check in at the hell is real sign on Facebook. Yeah, it's definitely one of the things that if you live in Ohio or if you've moved to Ohio, you gotta come, like, at least see it once, you know? Just to see how dumb it is. <laughs> it is dumb, for sure. But it's it's cherished by everybody in Ohio. Here's what it's like to drive through Ohio. Corn, corn, soybeans, soybeans, hell is real. Corn, corn, Columbus, corn, soybeans, Ohio State Reformatory, Corn, Grandpa's Cheese Barn. And then if you keep going, you go to Cleveland, but whatever. Yeah, pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, that wraps up our top 10 list this week of the 10 weirdest roadside attractions. I don't know why I did that with my hands. Right, like they can't see it. I'm aware. <laughs> I've mocked you for being, not for nodding. You did spirit fingers. Fuck off. They're jazz hands. Spirit fingers. Jazz hands. Anyway, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll come back next week with a brand new episode. Thanks for listening. Join us next week when we come up with a brand new top 10 list. Follow us on social media at 10 Things We Have to Tell You on Facebook, at 10 Things We Have to Tell You on Instagram, or email us at 10 Things We Have to Tell You at gmail.com. Have a new list idea? We're always taking suggestions. Please rate, review, and share, and come back again next week. Bye! Bye.